This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We are 32 days, Rick, away from the 2023 NFL Draft. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports Draft Podcast. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman, our general manager with more than 30 years of NFL experience, including 17 years in the Vikings front office, a decade of which he was the general manager. Today, we're doing an in-depth recap of our pro day travels. Last week, that took us to Ohio State, to Tuscaloosa, Lexington, to watch C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Will Levis over that three-day stretch. And if you missed it, we did immediate reaction podcast from Ohio State and Alabama, and today we'll include Will Levis in that discussion. And on Tuesday, that's tomorrow if you're watching us live, we'll be talking our wide receiver rankings with our guy Josh Edwards. And then on Thursday, we'll be doing another immediate reaction pro day podcast, this time from Gainesville. This time, excuse me, from Gainesville, Florida, after Anthony Richardson, no doubt, puts on a show. As always, you can watch us live on YouTube at NFL and CBS, and be sure to subscribe and leave us a comment. And hey, drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And look, we know you're on text threads about the draft with your buddies. Tell them to listen to with the first pick. All right, Rick, let's get to it. We were uh, on the road for three days last week. It felt like three months for me. Uh, I would not. I would be a terrible NFL scout. And I was talking to one of my buddies who's a scout in the league, and he said, so I'm at the Kentucky Pro Day, and I said, look, man, I'm not cut out for this. He said, I've been home 72 hours since the combine. So it's a little different way of life for uh, media, soft media folks like me as opposed to, to grizzled veterans like yourself and, and my buddy there who's a scout. Um, I, I don't know if I would discredit myself. You work very hard at this. You, you put together these mock drafts. You really you. with great evaluations and player <laughs> comps, so. I respect everything you do to get prepared and get us prepared for quarterback this podcast. Hey, Debo. Debo's producing uh, before he leaves us for a little bit. He's got a, he's taking a vacation right before the draft. I don't know what you think about that, Rick. But uh, <laughs> It's amazing to me. <laughs> so, Debo, here, here's the car that we had in Tuscaloosa. We had a black convertible Mustang. Me and Rick cruising down from Birmingham to Tuscaloosa in a black convertible Mustang. And uh, – and you know what's nice about that? If we would have got a speeding ticket because we were trying to make our flight back, yeah. Debo would have paid for it. And CBS, we could, I told him just expense it. Just expense it. Yeah. That's right. And Debo, let me ask you this quickly and then we'll get going. What, what kind of music do you think Rick li- listens to when he's just trying to chillax? Marvin Gaye. <laughs> You're not far off. Dude, he busted out the 90s slow jams that we listened to all the way back from Birmingham to, uh, uh, from Tuscaloosa to Birmingham. And then again, I think 
from Lexington, Kentucky back to Cincinnati. Yeah, we did a little TLC and don't go facing <laughs> waterfalls. And <laughs> uh, By the way, Rick, I told you this. I sent you the text. Uh, we got a new puppy on Saturday two days ago. So you might hear the puppy who's literally upstairs in his little tiny crate yelling and screaming because he's not happy. But um, that's all right. He'll be okay. He's going to take a nap in a second. So if you hear that, don't, don't be alarmed. That's just uh, the newest addition to the With the First Pick family figuring out what he's supposed to be doing right now. All right, Rick. Tell me your initial overall takeaways from seeing C.J. Stroud on Wednesday, Bryce Young on Thursday. Can I ask you a question? If you can stick to the script, I know Debo spends a whole 10 minutes throwing that together right before the show. Can we go back to maybe talking about Lamar Jackson? Oh, yeah. To cover that off the top? Not that I'm trying to be the host. No, you're right. It's just a supporting uh, actress role here, actor role here. No, I appreciate it. I I got discombobulated. I got discombobulated by the TLC and then the dog barking. So that's the wrong my game. You're exactly right. Lamar Jackson. So let me, let me, I'll pose the question to you this way. You're always at the, the owner's meetings. Uh, general managers are always at those things, right? Oh yeah. So yes. you're there and let's say you're the general manager of the Ravens, Eric DaCosta or the coach, Jim Harbaugh, who's sitting down at the table to speak with the media. And then someone informs you probably your frantic PR person that, Oh, by the way, Lamar just sent this tweet where he said he asked me traded earlier this month. And you have not accommodated him, and it feels like he doesn't want to be there because things aren't working out in terms of uh, the team and the player being on the same page. The player, by the way, who doesn't have an agent, is your mind racing? Are you calling Lamar? You're not calling his agent because he didn't have one. I, what's the next step for you? Yeah, no, I'm sure that there will be. It's a, it's amazing the timing because <laughs> this didn't come out until all 32 head coaches and general managers are at the owners' meeting. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of uh, sidebar conversations uh, going on between the meetings, if they're actually interested in trading him or not. I mean, there's different ways you can go about it, understanding that he can maybe come in, sign that franchise tag and do a, a, a sign and trade type deal. There's just different ways to go about it. But I don't think it's that Lamar does not want to be in Baltimore. I think it's just they've came to... They have come to an impasse on uh, what the package, the financial package and the contract should be. And I don't know if there's another team willing to step up, but I would explore every opportunity possible if I were the Baltimore Ravens general manager to, if I'm going to give up Lamar Jackson, one, I have no other option. Everything is pretty much done. I'm too low to probably get one of the top four picks unless I, unless I do something crazy to go up and get in the top. But I don't think they have the draft capital to do that. They may, if they trade Lamar Jackson, then it's a whole different ball game. Do they run up and start uh, scrambling to get into this quarterback mix? So it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. Uh, but I think it's just a uh, a business decision on both sides that they're trying to still work out. I'd listen to Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and, uh, or, and what, uh, Jim, is it John? John, you got it. Yeah. John Harbaugh and what he was saying in his press conference. And it's just part of the business. And they, they sounded, at least he sounded like he was hoping that they could still work this deal out. So if you were a betting man, what are the chances Lamar is playing in Baltimore for the Ravens in week one? Oh, he has no choice. They, they control the situation. Well, he can sit oh, out though. Like if he, he just can sit out, but they're still going to control his rights. And if he does sit out the whole year, he's going to not have. He's got to at least come in by, I think, week eleven to play in order to. Uh, That's the year. 
yeah, that's another year. And then they can just tag him again. So, you know, they got two tags in their pocket, this tag they use in next year's tag. So Lamar- yeah, but you don't want him unhappy though. I mean, you, you could potentially trade him. So what's the possibility that, let me ask you this. What's the possibility they trade him then by week one? I don't know. You, you don't know. It's like one night I woke up and the next thing I know we were <laughs> had Stefan Diggs traded to Buffalo gotcha, because gotcha. it just happened so quickly. And maybe someone just blows you away with some type of offer that you just say, okay, that, you know, you talk with the ownership, this is the decision we're going to make. We've decided to move on. You understand we're probably not going to be able to fill this. Um, but then you're going to be, I think the Baltimore Ravens will be in rebuild mode then. If you are the Indianapolis Colts sitting at four, would you trade the number four pick and maybe something else for Lamar Jackson? Yeah, uh, unless they fall in love with either Levis or uh, or Richardson. But if not, uh, then, then maybe that's an option that they're considering. Because, I mean, just doing the hypotheticals here that I know you love. And then at four, if you're the Ravens, you could take Anthony Richardson. Now, he is a huge step down from Lamar in terms of where he is coming out of college. I mean, it's not even close. He's probably a better athlete, which seems crazy to say, but what are you going to say? You just confused me here. So why are the Raiders picking at four? The Colts are going to trade that fourth pick to Baltimore for Lamar. For Lamar. And then the, the Ravens are at four. So then they can sort of, if they have, if they're down the road where they can't come to terms with Lamar, I was wondering if the Colts would be interested, even though they've had a bad run on free agent or veteran quarterbacks in recent years. Right. Well, the ownership's got to be willing to step up and pay that bill too. Yeah. Uh, which right. I think they would because uh, they've been trying to solve that quarterback issue for so long. But the Ravens definitely, I think, would be interested in Anthony Richardson over. Will Levis, just because of the style of play, similarities, bigger version of, I don't want to call him Lamar Jackson, maybe not as consistent of a thrower, uh, but very similar physical traits uh, and athletic traits that would probably fit right into their scheme and their system. Yep, that's right. So we got to sort this out. Um, It'll be I don't know if it'll be fun to watch for, for the Ravens, but it'll be interesting to watch from afar because this is a this is a big deal. I'll ask you one more thing, then we'll take a break, and we'll go back to the pro day conversation that we had in, initially planned here. The Raiders sit at seven. They signed Jimmy G to a three-year deal. I don't think they're, based on sort of what we heard over the last week or so, I don't know if they're going to be in the quarterback business at seven. But the fact that they were tells me that Jimmy G's a, a, a bridge quarterback. Is there any planet where you'd sign Jimmy G that three-year deal because you're out of options free agent-wise, and then you get in the Lamar sweepstakes? No, 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 no none. I, I cannot see that happen, especially since you just signed Jimmy G to a three-year deal. Okay. And it's interesting uh, listening to Josh McDaniels, too, talk at his press conference that uh, putting out, whether it's smoke or real, <laughs> uh, I would lean more towards smoke that they're definitely in uh, – Looking at one of these quarterbacks, but they also may be trying to create some trade interests on if someone like Tampa or someone below there, the Reds, whoever, the commanders, whoever need to come up and get a quarterback, that if there is any threat, which they're trying to put out there, that we're going to take a quarterback at at their pick at number seven. And that's what they're trying to generate right now as well. It's funny you mention that. Before we take a break, I'm going to mention quickly, I put out my first three-round mock draft of the 2023 draft cycle on Monday, March 27th. So if you're listening to this live, it's already out. Or if you're listening to it later, it's already out too. So you can check it out on CBSSports.com. But I mentioned that, Rick, because I had 
Will Levis falling all the way to 18th. I had the Rams trading up to 18 to get them, uh, leapfrogging the Buccaneers at 19. And while all that's well and good, I wanted to ask you about the compensation because I used our buddy uh, R.J. White's draft chart. But again, it doesn't account, it doesn't account for the premium you play for quarterback. So tell me if you think this is okay. Or if you would do this if you're the GM. You may not think it's okay, but if you're... What am I the GM of? Let's say you're the GM of of the oh you could be the Detroit Lions GM. There you, that's not a stretch. So they're at 17. At six, they picked Lucas Van Ness. He's moving on up the charts here. I, I just I, I I looked at that and I know I respect everything you do in this and how you have to do a three-round mock and how yeah. you prepare for this. What did LA have left in draft capital to move all the way up there to get them? I'm glad that's you asked. First thing, because that one I was trying to figure out. So here's what they gave up, and I'll tell you in a second the the actual picks they have left, which aren't a lot. So the Lions get pick 36, second pick, rounder, pick 77, third rounder, and then a 2024 second rounder to go from 18 down to 36. That's where they'll start picking. Yeah, uh, if I was Detroit, I would hang up the phone as quickly as I could because that is not enough value. Okay. What do you need then? Let me ask you that. What do you need? There better, there better be some firsts involved in there. I I would thought I would think so, but I was doing the math and like R.J. White's uh, trade value chart is based on the last 15, 20 years of historical data and the trades that have happened. But again, it doesn't account for the premium you play you pay for a quarterback. So I, I understand that part of it. So the, you want a first round pick, even though you're moving down, you don't have to move down. Right, you, but when do the when's their next first round pick? Two thousand and forty eight. They have one in 2024. So you want a 2024 first rounder? Oh, I'd be all over that. Yeah, I'm not even talking unless that's involved <laughs> in the first rounder. So 36-74 in that first rounder, will that do it? Maybe. I'd have to look at the the point chart and just, just see how it all oh, adds man. up. But All right, so I, I gave the Rams a bargain there. Okay. Bargain? You gave them a steal. You could get someone fired if Detroit <laughs> takes that deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Listen. I love you, but I don't want you replacing Chris. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> I want Chris right where he is. Hey, Bo, I just, I know you're listening to this, but I've never seen a guy go over top with my brother than anyone oh, before. It. It's like, first I thought he liked me, but now I'm just second fiddle since I introduced him to my brother at the combine. <laughs> and that's just been like, I don't know how many, he ran over 16 people through the 40 yard dash. Everybody's trying to time. And he saw Chris. And he's like actually running, of sprinting across the finish line, trying to get over there and say hi to Chris. Was I more excited to see your brother, or was Pete more excited to see Goodell at the combine? <laughs> That's a toss-up. <laughs> Boy, you guys are yeah, kind of starstruck uh, people. Get out of here. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll actually talk about these pro days right after this. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Rick, let's talk about these pro days. Thank you for reminding me. Before we get into that, can I tell you that I actually have one of the final four teams in the pool? Do you you watch a lot of college basketball? No. I just, uh, my daughter picked the FAU. Great job by your daughter. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the percentages are in the brackets of how many people have any Final Four participants. So you're probably in the top 10% of people left. Do you know where, where you rank in your bracket? No, I have no clue. You might be first. I have no clue. I don't have any of the other Final Four, but I do have FAU. Your daughter should do a mock draft. She might get, she might get yeah, up those. Maybe better than both of us. <laughs> she might be better than both of us. All right, so let's talk about these pro days. Congratulations on your FAU pick. Let's hope uh, that would be a fun story. <laughs> What is your biggest takeaway from being in back-to-back-to-back days in Ohio State, at Ohio State in Columbus, and Tuscaloosa in Lexington? Um, let's start with the quarterback, over the, the overall takeaway take from that. Yeah, it, it's great when you have the opportunity to go out there and see them throw back-to-back-to-back. Uh, I thought they all had very good workouts. When you look at C.J. Stroud, he just built off what he did at the Combine. Uh, he was thrown to his own receivers. And just for future reference, Ryan, if you want to put this name away, there's a receiver that worked out at Ohio State named, named Marvin Harrison Jr. that actually worked out there. So just keep him in your back Rings pocket. Rings a bell. Okay. Yeah, he may, he may be a prospect next year. So His dad uh, was there too, who looked great, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So but run around. I thought all three of them, Worked out extremely well. I thought CJ continued with the uh, accuracy, the touch, the timing, overthrew a couple of deep balls. But other than that, I thought he had a great workout. Saw a lot of some of the coaches on the side, talking with them, working with them, some stuff, even though these are scripted. And then we headed down to see Bryce Young, uh, who also was very impressive. Uh, I think the thing that you noted was that not only does he have enough uh, ability to put uh, enough velocity on the ball on some of his throws, but he has great touch and timing. And uh, a lot of his throws were were just spot on when he's throwing before the receiver gets out of the receiver gets out of his break. Uh, he did overthrow a couple of deep balls when he was rolling, but he was throwing to, I believe, a receiver that's going to run slower than anticipated. Uh, but I won't name that receiver because he'll be out in next year's draft. But I thought uh, both those guys had outstanding workouts, didn't hurt themselves. And especially what we talked about was Bryce Young put all of his eggs in one basket because he was the only top quarterback out of the four that did not throw at the combine. Then we went to Will Levis's on Friday. And uh, no question, this guy is a yoked up, linebacker looking quarterback <laughs> it was like impressive and his quick release his arm strength probably and the velocity that he put on the ball is if you just got off arm strength you would say his velocity was better 
than CJ's and it was better than Will's. Yeah. But his touch, his timing, I think those are issues uh, because I don't know if he knows how to take steam off the ball in some of those throws. And the only other thing, you can see the picture here, he is so developed in his upper body. And you mentioned that maybe too developed, which sounds like a weird thing to say about a football player, right? Yeah, especially a quarterback because you can see how tight he is. Uh, he's very His release is very tight, although it's extremely quick. But when you have to throw when he, a couple times when he rolled to his left, I thought that stiffness showed up. So there were some things there that were a little concerning for me. Uh, no question about the arm strength, but the ability to take something off the throw, to have a natural feel, how to lay it up. Like, And I'll ask you this. Did you see a difference between when Bryce Young was throwing and when Will Levis was throwing? What was the biggest takeaway you had out of those? For Bryce, which just sounds funny to say about someone who's five ten and an eighth, and he probably weighs less than two hundred pounds now, but it was it was effortless, which is it was that you feel like he would have to step on every throw to get it where he wanted to. But uh, CJ too, CJ sort of flicked it. Uh, Bryce was even more effortless in my mind, just in terms of the mechanics and the way the ball came up his hand, and it felt like Levis, not that he was tense, but it felt like everything had to be a fastball, and it, it like you sort of touched on it. He struggled to layer the ball, and you see Bryce here. And what what do you mean when you say layer the ball? So you're you're building to throw the ball to the second level, especially over the linebackers, um, and, and get it over and drop it, sort of drop it over that sec those second level defenders, or even down the field, uh, drop it in a bucket. And you know you want to if you're aiming for the front pylon of the end zone, you you sort of put it in there between there and you know two or three yards, uh, going towards the the middle of the field away from the defender, where it's felt like Levis and just at the pro day, not necessarily on his tape, uh, the ball was more more line drive and less fly ball to center field. Does that make sense? Kind of. All right. You tell me what, what you, what you think about when I, when I say layer, what am I trying to say? Uh, basically he can put some touch on a ball throwing with velocity. That yeah, makes sense. That's right. Yeah. So you, you, you probably know, know a little better more than I do, given that you're 29 years and eight months ahead of me on the, on the evaluation. But I think we both agreed. Uh, we both came away with the, uh, and you know what's funny? I was reading the comments, and if you haven't seen it, you can go back and see me and Rick do our immediate podcast from Ohio State and from Tuscaloosa right after the, 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 the pro days happened. But you and I both agree that Bryce was slightly better than CJ. It wasn't a, a marked difference. It was just a slight difference. And, and people in the comments, I don't know if they're Ohio State supporters or just people watching uh, with un, unbiased eye, thought we were crazy to think that Bryce had a better pro day. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't think anyone would argue that Will Levis had the best pro day of the bunch. And I'll ask you this at the time. Oh, I, whoa, 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 whoa. You think he had the best pro day of the bunch? You no, I said no one No one would argue that. Right. That I, I, I misunderstood you. Yeah, you were ready to jump on me. No, we all agree that Will Levis is third in the pro days we've seen so okay, far. Okay, thank you. Right? Yeah. Yes. But I did want to ask you this. What happened if we saw Will Levis first, had nothing to base it against in this draft class because we hadn't seen C.J. or Bryce yet, and then we saw C.J. or Bryce subsequent to that? Will we feel different, differently no. about Will Levis? No? No, no okay. you're going in with open eyes on all three of those workouts, and then you're assessing what you saw during those three workouts, and then you stack them accordingly from there based off of people have to understand we're just basing this ranking right now off of what we've seen at pro day and what they did at pro day. All right. I'll ask you one more question. Then we'll get, we'll take more of a general overview of, of the pro days. Cause uh, as you 
mockingly noted in our first um, pro day podcast from Ohio State. I've only seen Syracuse pro days in person, so <laughs> I'm sorry. <Jay. laughs> <laughs> that gets you every time. But my camera even almost fell over. Yeah, your camera likes that joke too. <laughs> but I ask you, it's not this. a joke. It's actually you're actually quite serious about it, which is shocking. Yeah. Hey, listen. Um, I asked you this and Brady this, Brady Quinn, on the quarterback podcast we did a few weeks ago, and I'll ask it again. At the time, I asked both you and Brady, knowing everything we know now about all these players on planet Earth, would you rather have, going into the 2023 season, Kenny Pickett if you're the Steelers, or would you rather have Will Levis? You and Brady both said you would take Will Levis on upside. That was before the pro day, a couple weeks before the pro day. I'll ask you now again, knowing everything that we know about these players on planet Earth, if you're the Steelers, would you rather have Kenny Pickett going into the 2023 season or, or Will Levis? Um, that's a difficult, that's a difficult question. I, I may start leaning towards Kenny Pickett now after watching the Will Levis pro day. And the, I, the pro day was not bad, by the way. No, it was a very good pro day. It's just, can he do off platform throws? Can he change his arm trajectory? Does it always have to be that compact tight release? Because you're not going to be able to do that all the time in the NFL. So I think Kenny Pickett, if you compared the two last year, which, and I'm asking you this, after you watched Kenny Pickett and what he did, and I know he had Addison and, and Levis, as we continue to make excuses for him, didn't have a receiver except a bunch of young kids that may be eventually be good receivers, but they were growing and learning on the, on the move. Um, would you have taken Pickett as over Levis as we now know what we know today? A year ago, no. I'd have been all over Will Levis. I didn't love Kenny Pickett coming out last year. He was my QB three or four, I think. I have to go back and check. Um, I won't tell you my QB one is because I don't want to talk about it right now, but uh, he's about to lose his job. Uh, but I wasn't high on Kenny Pickett. So Kenny Pickett proved me wrong, and that's the other nature of trying to figure out these quarterbacks. A quarter of them don't work out, or a quarter of them do work out when you take them in the first round. That means three out of four don't. And I've had a few that didn't. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Uh, fair enough. So, yeah, th that's part of the conversation and part of how things can change as you go through the draft process based on what you get to see. So that's why, as you note all the time, especially to our buddy Pete Prisco, pro days are important because Pete thinks oh, pro days I are unimportant. On Pete. No, that's so, a whole podcast on itself on why well, Pete thinks pro days aren't important. I think we'll have him on next week so we can spend the hour yelling at him about various topics. But I want to ask you in a general sense uh, about just the pro day experience, because I'll, I'll tell you how it went when we got to Ohio State. So we get in, we get our credentials, and we walk in, and we get to watch the weigh-ins, which is what happens if you're if you're in the league. The weigh-ins happen first. Uh, they measure them, height, weight, all that stuff. And some of them do the vertical. Uh, some of them do the bench press. And then you progress on to the workouts on the field. And we talked about it in the Ohio State podcast, but I'll bring it up again. You've been doing this forever. This is my first Ohio State Pro Day. And Dewan Jones, who weighed three Second three, Pro Day overall in your career. Second Pro Day overall in my career. Dewan Jones, the right tackle out of Ohio State, uh, Ohio State, excuse me, who has a chance to be a first round pick, weighed 375 at the Senior Bowl, weighed 374. I just looked it up at the combine, he ran a 535 at the combine, and he got measured at, at the Pro Day last week, but for the first time in human history, uh, chose not to get weighed. And I say the first time in human history because there were NFL folks that were laughing because they'd never heard such a thing. And in your mind, he didn't do himself any favors, right? 
No, because he put a lot of doubt into uh, people's heads about what he actually does weigh. So, you know, the, the what was being said going around the pro days, well, he must be 400 plus pounds now because he, he wouldn't weigh in. So where that becomes a concern is, okay, he comes to your uh, first rookie mini camp uh, and let's say he weighs like what he weighed at 380 pounds. Let's say let's give him 380. And then he works out through your whole offseason program. You got a four or five week window before everybody reports back to training camp. What's he going to look like when he comes back to training camp, especially if a guy has potential weight issues? Right. The worst thing he could have done was not weigh in. If he would have stepped on the scale and let's say he weighed 390, no one would have blinked an eye. Just a big man that, okay, now I know we got to monitor his weight. But he left doubt in everyone's head uh, because he refused to weigh in. And the first thing that comes into a scout's mind or coach's mind is, well, he must be not weighing in because he's trying to hide something. Right. And then we go out to the field and – I forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paris Johnson – Junior put on a show. I thought he was athletic, the left powerful hands, uh, solidified himself in my mind as probably the first left, true left tackle. I don't want to put, you know, I don't know what Skorinski is going to do or not, where the team's going to have him. To me, he's the best overall offensive lineman. But Paris Johnson really had an unbelievable workout. And when you got to see it up close and in person, seeing what kind of shape he was in, he worked out for the scripted workout that Ohio State had. Then the coaches took him down to an end zone that was not taped. And there was about three or four NFL offensive line coaches and worked him again. And he never blinked. Was a great shape. Same with uh, your center that you love, Whipler, even though the he's Whipler, yeah. Ball. Uh, but those guys. And then I just see Dewan Jones there, wouldn't weigh in. All he's doing is standing in sweats, not doing anything, and these guys are humping it. So it goes back to the old adage, I guess, in my mind is, hey, we're going to throw a ball out here. Let's go out and see who's going to compete on the playground. And uh, Dewan Jones elected not to do that. And that left a lot of doubt because if Wright from Darnell Wright from Tennessee when works out, Roger Jones worked, if all these other guys worked out, uh, and Dewan Jones elected not to. Now, I do give him credit. He did compete at the uh, Combine. Yeah. So, but I think he could have even helped himself more uh, if he would have worked out Ohio State. But the but the thing that baffled everybody there was not even stepping on a scale. And he did the first day of practice at the Senior Bowl before he had concussion-like symptoms, and he looked great on that Tuesday practice. But the thing is, what you're talking about, you're not alone because – Debo, I'll let you know, when Rick Spielman goes to a pro day, it's like the the mayor's in town because he 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 talked to, if there were 31 general managers there, he talked to 31 general managers. Uh, so he made his way around. He chit-chatted up everybody. And I know you were talking about more than, you know, your your vacation home there in Florida. You were talking about retirement home. But retire, I retirement home. we're only in a half a house. <laughs> Barely making it. <laughs> Barely making it. But 
you were probably having conversations about, okay, this guy isn't doing this. This guy did that. That guy looks good. This guy feels like he's going to be perhaps better than we initially gave him credit for. So conversations are being had. It's not just Rick Spielman in a bubble talking about Dewan Jones. Everyone's having similar thoughts or conversations about these players, whether it's Dewan Jones, whether it's Will Levis, whether it's uh, the the Valentine kid, the the cornerback out of Kentucky, who, who had a, a good little pro day workout for himself. Yeah, no, it's uh... – I'm actually not trying to sway, get swayed with my opinion. I do like to talk a lot of, I mean, I talked to a lot of people at these pro days. Um, my goal is to keep them moving so we can get on to our next flight. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is very uh, true. I talked to a lot of people at the schools that I know, so you can get some really good, uh, valuable information from some of the people that you talk to at the schools as well. So it was great. It gives us, both of us, I think, have a much better understanding of these kids at these three pro days that we were able to cover um, as we get prepared for the draft to do our podcast and other broadcasting for CBS HQ once we find out what that is. Yeah, I, I mentioned this to you after the Ohio State one, and we saw it in Alabama and Kentucky as well. All quarterbacks were there throughout the workouts supporting their teammates. Um in the mix, high-fiving, chatting them up, and all things that, on the end of the day, may not mean much, but you do see them out there. You see that they have that relationship because sometimes the quarterback doesn't get along with his teammates. He's just a really good football player, so you tolerate it, and you didn't get that sense uh, just by being able to watch every single thing that the camera doesn't show when you're watching on on television, for example. So uh, weight room workout measurements. Then you go on the field. There's Jackson Smith and Jigba right there. See that? Dapping it up with with, uh, C.J. Debo doing the Lord's work and Jackson had a great, he, I mean, I think great is the word. He ran a four five, I think officially four, four, eight. So even you, you get a four in front of that number, uh, that second number there. And I don't know, man, I feel like he he's making a little move North yes, on the draft. board trick. Yeah. And what he did at the combine had the fastest shuttle runs, which is extremely important for receivers with the three cone and the 20 yard shuttle four five is more than fast enough. Uh, for a receiver. I think that the way he caught the ball in both workouts, the way he ran routes in both workouts, um, that he's just, he may be the first receiver off the board before it's said and done as we get through the rest of this uh, process. Yeah, six feet and change, weigh 200 pounds, 448 official, I think, coming out of the House State Pro Day. And he looked fast he looked nimble he looked great in terms of his ability to get in and out of breaks no stiffness at all and you know i've said it a thousand times i'll keep saying it until the draft garrett wilson and cj Stroud both told us separate uh, on two separate occasions that um he was the best wide receiver on that 2021 team that included the aforementioned marvin harrison jr Olave, and garrett wilson so then they work out the school position players the offensive linemen the defensive linemen uh, the linebackers, everyone but the quarterback. And then the quarterback goes out there, and all three guys put it on a show uh, in different ways. And I think that's the the main attraction for the NFL teams, clearly. We saw a ton of general managers at, at all three pro days because of uh, the three quarterbacks that have a chance to be top ten picks. And then after that, we do a podcast and we bonk out. Um, in the past, when you were in the league, you may have had another pro day to go to, and we know this from talking to your brother and other people that that you were chit-chatting up unlike rick and me who had to drive to the airport commercially and fly there were teams going to the local airport right next to the facility basically hopping on the private jet and they were home eating dinner before we even got to our connecting flight 
<laughs> yeah, that's a. But I know Debo is working on the uh, sponsorship <laughs> right now for Ooh. with the first pick private jet podcast so that we could travel even to more pro days next year because. I imagine we're going to have to get out to California to do one and then get all the way back to North Carolina to do another one. There you go. Well, surfaces uh, next year. So Debo, appreciate the uh, effort and energy you're putting in for that uh, with the first pick private jet service that we'll be using next year. Another sponsorship opportunity. I was thinking about this the other day after we got back, Rick. Uh, we can get some coffee sponsors because I, I'm opening your eyes to all new coffee locations at these various colleges and stops that we make. And, and you're you're coming around. You're going to be a hipster coffee drinker before it's all said and done. Love the. I mean, everybody has a role on this tour that we're doing. <laughs> I do all the logistics, all the you setup. Do. I talk to all the people, make sure we have all the right rooms to go into to do the podcast. He's responsible for the hipster coffee, which I am turning into a uh, very big coffee guru now is ever since i've been hanging around ryan wilson on the road it started in indy at the combine that's right no in mobile mobile alabama of all places oh yeah soul caffeine so yeah. yeah i have literally one job that's to get the coffee right now so well, you're a driver too and I'm i do drive there to help uh build up your self-esteem as a driver yeah that that needs some work then because uh you're great as a co-host on air the driving the the berating i get as a driver <laughs> What did you say? My bedside manner is an F minus. Oh, dude, Debo, if if Rick were a doctor, people would just they'd be jumping out of hospital windows instead of listening to his advice because he's she's like, listen, why are you sick? Get up, go out there and do something. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk some more sock up, sock down from the players that we saw last week at these pro days. With Kizik Can's free shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. All right, Rick, let's quickly, let's get your quarterback. I'm reading this, by the way. I, some, uh... How about pops and drops? Popped up, dropped. Oh, you want to do that? Yes. Yeah, stock up, stock down. Doesn't everybody do that? Pops and drops? Look at that. All right, Diva, pops and drops. Um, before we get going, you tweeted this out last Friday after the Kentucky Pro Day when we were eating at uh, Bella Grill and Cafe. Can't recommend it enough in Lexington. <laughs> you had a uh, vegetable burger? Or did you have like a... Well, it was, it's uh, Lent, so... I yeah, but what kind of what was it? What was in the what was the meat made a of? Plant based meat burger. Oh, okay. You like that? I had the the like crispy chicken sandwich, which was fantastic. So, uh, if you're in Lexington, Kentucky, check that out. I'm gonna get the sponsorship thing going for 100. Watch this. <laughs> but you tweeted it out from there that your quarterback rankings based on just the pro days are what one, two, and three. I said Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and we'll find and, out. We'll we'll add a fourth on Thursday. And, uh, Yet to be determined. There you go. You can see Rick tweeting it out using uh, he's adding people Debo and he got a whole bunch of followers when he figured out he was just screaming at himself on Twitter. So that's that's how that works. I know how the Twitter thing works. I <laughs> wish I did. So let's talk about uh, pops and drops uh, among some of the other players. I think I can put Jackson Smith and Jigba as uh, yep. popping up. Yep. A pop. Dewan Jones, his teammate. A drop. He's a drop. All right, we'll go down. I will just start in Ohio State. Uh, Zach Harrison, the edge rusher, who let me give you the numbers real quick: six five and a half, two sixty nine, 
10 inch hands, 36 and two eighths inch arms. And he didn't run either at his pro day or at the combine based on my numbers, put up 225, 25 times, but he is a little stiff when you watch him in his drills, yes. pop or drop. He is a little bit of a drop for me. You One, think so? Because he didn't run. I'd love to see what he runs. And two, when you watched him do the drills, he is very developed upper body wise, yeah. long arms, uh, but he's a little thin through his lower, uh, which we refer, refer to as thin pins. Thin pins. And he uh, seems a little tight in his lower body, little ankle stiff, especially when he has to bend and get around some of the drills that they had to do. So I'm going to put him as a drop. Okay, because I asked you after the Ohio State Pro Day, top 60. You said outside the top 60, and I had a scout who listens to this podcast text me the next morning. He said, man, he's going to go early day three, so calm down with the top 60 talk. So we'll see. We'll see. Okay, Paris Johnson Jr., I think I know based on what you said earlier, but why don't you tell me officially? Paris Johnson Jr.? Yeah. Pop or drop? Oh, he's a pop. I think he's going to pop up to maybe the first true left tackle off the board. All right, his teammate, offensive line mate, Luke Whippler, who six two and a half or six two and five eighths, three oh three is what his weight, but he had thirty one and five eighths inch arms, which is short for offensive lineman. Yeah, I, I would consider he worked out. I don't know if he popped, uh, but I don't think he dropped either. So I think he's he just stayed pretty consistent where he's at on people's boards. He's a top fifty guy, and I'm not coming off that. Okay, well, we'll have a dollar bet on that as well. Well, which way you're going outside the top 50? Yep. All right. Write it down, Debo. See if those arms can carry me through. I've been him and I'm, a, I'm team short arm and team short guy. So, yeah, and Prisco. Yeah. You make a great <laughs> team together. I guess team Prisco. I should call them team Prisco. They're all the, Pris- the team Priscos. Yeah. No, you put them all on a, uh, in a car clown, uh, and then drive them to the circus. We can put a whole 53 of them in a clown car. Uh, and he can drive. All right. I think that's it from the guys that we were, we talked about previously from Ohio state. Let's go to Alabama. I think it's fair to say that Bryce is a pop pop. I think I know if you listen to the Alabama pod, you can go, if you, uh, you know, this, if you haven't go back and listen to it because it's, uh, I think pretty good. Jameer Gibbs, the running back pop pop. Yeah, he was, man, another example of being somewhere in person and seeing a guy move the way he moves, even though he didn't run a 40, he ran the 40 at the combine, he ran a 4.36, but his short area movements, they they were noteworthy. That may be one of the most impressive running back workouts I've seen in a while. The way he can drop his weight, the way he got into and out of the bags, the way he caught the ball, I think. We charted one drop on a uh, a flat route, yep. but other than that, uh, he had a unique workout for a runner. All right, I know you don't like to talk about guys who aren't draft eligible, but I'll just mention it because you mentioned it earlier. Who had a better workout, Jameer Gibbs or Marvin Harrison Jr.? I didn't pay attention to Marvin Harrison Jr. because he is not eligible for this draft, and I am trying to stay honed in and focused on what's coming up in 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 32 days from now. (laughs) Let me just say Marvin Harrison Jr. had a terrible workout, and hopefully he lasts to wherever the Steelers are picking. I'll just leave it at that. Um, All right. Okay, this is a good one. We talked about him a little bit. Tyler Steen, the offensive tackle transfer from Vanderbilt. Maybe he moved uh, right. Let me give you the numbers real quick. Six, six, 321, 32 and 6-8-inch arms, though. Pop. Pop. I think teams were talking about him. I thought he moved around very athletic in the drills. Uh, his uh, little bit uh, light-handed. You don't really hear a huge pop with him. Uh 
when you watch the tape on him, he plays a little hollow, in my opinion. Uh, what does hollow he, mean? Hollow means that he doesn't anchor well all the time. Gotcha. Uh, or when he hits you, it just you don't hear a thud. It's like it's hit, hitting something hollow. But he is a very good athlete. I think that he is big enough, and he's going to have enough position flexibility where people will look. Some may look at him at a guard. Some may look at him as a left tackle. Some can see him as a right tackle. I think he's athletic, athletic enough to play multiple positions. Uh, great kid when you sit there and talk with him. So he will be a uh, definitely a Friday pick after that workout. Okay. And you talk about uh, popping the pads. Paris Johnson Jr. was doing that at Ohio State. That got your attention. Yeah, I still have to wear earplugs after the, how hard he hit the, the pads. All right. Safety, slot guy, whatever you want to call him. Brian Branch ran a 4.58 of the combine. Didn't try to improve on that, which I thought was interesting. But popper drop. I want to say level. I think. Stay the same. Okay. Yeah, I think some may drop a little just because of the 4.58, especially – if they were looking at him as a Nick, uh, I don't think it'll be as big a concern if he's just going to get drafted and as a free safety. Um, but he did, he was smooth, moved, uh, fluid hip turn, you know, turns showed burst out of his turns, caught the ball. Well, I thought he had a really good DB workout. The four, five, eight will be a concern for some teams. I still think he goes around one. You think that's crazy? No, I don't know. That's a, there's no safeties. So yeah, I think that's the other thing. What's on the board, but there's no other options at safety. So his his teammate, cornerback Eli Ricks, ran a four six, but oh my gosh, he looks like the cornerback you build in the lab. Six two, one ninety, thirty two and three since arms. You care about that? And he he, moves, he plays faster than he times. Yes. Although uh, a few times, if he does get stretched. Down the field, you'll see him not be able to stay up with speed-type receivers. He's going to have to fit a zone scheme. Or if he can get up there and press and disrupt the receiver on his release, it gives him an opportunity to stay with the guy. But if he's going to get in a foot race, I think that's the biggest concern that teams will have with him. Do you start him outside and then move him to safety once you figure something out, or do you start him outside? The only way you move him to safety is understanding if he – has the ability to make all the calls and adjustments. And is he right. have the ability to communicate because part of being a safety is not only you have to be extremely smart, you have to make the adjustments, but you also have to be able to uh, communicate and bark out everything you need to bark out through that uh, pre-snap read process. Right. And that's the thing that you pointed out in recent podcasts, you don't have to be a rocket scientist by cornerback. You have to be pretty smart to play in the middle of the field. Yeah. And I'm not saying Ricks is not smart. I don't right. know. That's in general, up. in general, just in general terms. Yep. That's right. All right. Um, we'll do one more and I'll let you decide which, which one you want to do. You can do Cameron Latu, the tight end. You can do uh, Byron Young, the defensive, uh, defensive lineman, or you can do Henry Torres, the linebacker at Alabama. Which one do you want to say popped or, or dropped? I think they all stayed the same. I, okay. I wouldn't say anyone really popped, popped. Um, I thought Latou, I, I still think he's a, probably a Saturday guy, in my opinion. He yeah, did I rock. Agree. I want to give him credit for that. He ran in the 4.74, four, four, I believe, or low 4.7s. Caught yep, the ball seven. well. Just doesn't block. Um, and then Young, Brian Young, uh, had a solid workout, and so did. Uh, I don't think any of those guys are going to be elite superstars. I think Henry and uh, Young will be 
legitimate, good starters for a team, not Pro Bowl caliber players, but good solid players. And then I think Latou will be a role type player for a team. And you might note a name I didn't mention, Will Anderson Jr. He didn't he didn't work out. You you spoke with him afterwards, and I don't know if he needed to work out. Did he need to do anything no, if you're a general manager? At the combine, he ran, he did right. the linebacker drills, the D line drills. He ran, he did everything there. Um, I don't think you know, and I even asked him because a lot of times if they don't work out, if he had any private workouts coming up, and he said no. So he may be a player that everybody is okay. I know where he's going to go. I know what type of kid he is, what type of player he is. Um, work's done on him. We did that with Harrison Smith after we were uh, done at the uh, Senior Bowl with him. Worked out the combine, I believe, if I, if I recall. Uh, and then we never talked to him again after that until we drafted him, moved up and, the draft. And that's the other thing. Um, I don't have the names in front of me, but but you tell, I don't know if you want to talk about this out loud or not, but you would keep track of who showed up and who didn't show up at these pro days, right? Right. And it's just like who had, sometimes it'll be tweeted out who had private workouts with what teams try to get you an indication of what teams are interested in what players. Um, so we had uh, our associates that were in the office and part of their job was to put together a spreadsheet on what player and what team was working them out. If they got it off the, you know, whatever, wherever they got the source from that they yeah. were put it. So we had a kind of an idea of uh, who was interested in who. Now, I don't know. Would it, does this only hold for like top 50 picks? I mean, do you, if you like a, a guy on day three, you're not going to try to hide oh, yeah. that, are you? Yeah. Yeah. No, we're going to definitely try to hide that. Oh, okay. A lot of times, when you have these top 30 visits in, sometimes those will be reported out. So if we had a guy that was not at the combine or a guy that we really liked at the later rounds, um, I would tell him and his agent, we would bring him in more like a recruiting visit, especially if he was going to be a college free agent, but we really liked him and told him as agent, do not say you were here in Minnesota. Oh, you told him that specifically. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. So, and a lot of times when I would interview players, I would ask them, who you, who's been talking to you the most? Who do you think, which team thinks, you know, uh, do you think is the most interested in you? So a lot of things that you try to dig up and sift through until uh, you get to the finish line here in 32 days till the NFL. 32 days. That's right. All right, let's go to Kentucky, Lexington. That was uh, our third leg of the trip. And uh, I'll be honest, Debo, we got into – the Cincinnati airport, which is an hour and change from Lexington, Kentucky at one 30 in the morning from Tuscaloosa. And then Rick had us up at seven, uh, get our minds right to, to drive over to, to Kentucky. I was a little tired. I'm not going to lie to you, Rick. Well, we had that hipster coffee and, uh, your, uh, espresso that got you going. Yeah. Rick had his first espresso. He liked it. Although begrudgingly he didn't want to admit it. No, I did not say I liked it. It had too much milk in it. Oh, get out of here. It was a cappuccino for people keeping score at home. I'll get them on Americano. It's and the then same we'll, thing. It's just give me a black coffee and let's move on. And we'll see. All right. So we made our way after the hipster coffee stop to to the Lexington, to the to the workout facility next to the stadium. And um, we'll, we'll start with Will Levis. You talked about him earlier, but he, is he a, a pop or is he a drop? Uh, I'm going to go. This is going to create a little bit of a stir. I'm going to go drop. Okay. Why? Because I, when you saw him throw up close and in person like that, I just think he's so wound up tight in his upper body. And 
he's going to have to learn how to put some touch on the ball. Uh, touch with velocity would be another term to use, uh, like you were trying to describe. Everything's just a fastball with him. Now, I know he's a very good athlete because uh, I've seen that on tape. Uh, understand everything we said, but I, I just wish he was a little bit less mechanical in outside the pocket and when he has to make off-schedule type plays and he had a little bit more touch on the ball uh, when, he, when he throws it, especially uh, if he has to take some off. Because when he tried to take some off, it looked forced. It looked mechanical. Yeah. It wasn't natural. When you watch the other two, CJ throw and Bryce Young throw, it's just so natural, whether it's a fastball or whether it's a touch throw or a deep throw with air under ball. Will Levis is right now to me is just a fastball thrower. <laughs> I knew what you were about to say, and you caught yourself to save yourself the headache of what you were, the words that are about to leave your lips. So that was pretty smart on your part. You're getting better at this whole media thing, Rick. <laughs> All right, what about running back Chris Rodriguez? Because he came in for me. I didn't love him coming out of the season. Uh, he was okay at the Senior Bowl. He runs hard, but I thought he actually looked pretty good in the drills. Yeah, but I, I guess that's one thing you got to be careful of. When yeah. The day before, we saw Jameer yeah. Gibbs go through the same drills, and then you watch Rodriguez, and nothing against him. They're, it's two, It's night and day difference right. uh, when you watch those two go through their pro days. He's a tough, straight-line, hard-nosed runner. Uh, if you want to compare him to the Benny Snells of the world, some people thought that Benny Snell was better. Some people thought that Rodriguez is going to be better than Benny Snell, but he's a one-cut, hard-nosed, downhill runner that doesn't have a lot of electric to his game. I think Benny was either a fourth or fifth-round pickup to double-check, but I, I think Chris, for me, I think Benny was a little better coming out. I didn't love Benny. Uh, is he fourth, fifth-rounder or afterwards for you when you talk about Chris? I, I, I just, uh, he's a drop for me. I'm okay. Just, I know, and he caught, caught the ball pretty good there and everything. He did. I thought he did. All right, and let's talk about the cornerbacks here. Kedron Smith was at the Senior Bowl. I thought he availed himself nicely there. He was a late ad because of a, some other player dropped out. He wasn't invited to the Combine, uh, as it turned out, but his teammate, Carrington Valentine, was. And let me just tell you about Carrington Valentine, also a cornerback, 5'11 and 5'8, 189. He ran a 4'3'8, and he didn't run a second one because he apparently tweaked a hammy. And I, part of me wonders if he just says that because he knew he ran the 438 and wants to make it seem like he's faster than that, which would be a great mind game to play. He did bench 225 nine times. I don't know if you care about that, but he did have a 39-inch vertical. I know you care about that. So what do you think about these two cornerbacks and their pro day performances? Yeah, well, Valentine was a pop, and uh, Smith was a drop for me, just looking at those two. What did Smith run? Did you did – you... He uh, did not run. Oh, he did run. I'm sorry. He ran a four, yes, five, eight. I got that information for you. Apparently I got it. I was reading the wrong line. Four, five, eight and 36 is vertical. Right. So that's going to be a concern. So that's why I had the pop drop there. And Valentine looked explosive, a little more explosive. Smith, probably a little smoother, but not as yeah. twitchy of an athlete. Uh, but Valentine was creating some buzz for sure after that workout. I thought Valentine was, I told you this was a little stiff in his movements. I thought Smith moved a little was a little more fluid in this movement. 6-2-2-0-1 is what Kedron um, measured at, uh, I think, the combine. So he's in the same cluster, if you will, as Eli Ricks, who we talked about earlier, 6-2-1-90, 10 pounds heavier. They ran similar times. I think most people would – I don't think anyone would say that Smith was a, a better cornerback in terms of the physical things he could do. Probably Eli Ricks. You agree with that? 
Yeah. I mean, take a flyer on him on Saturday. I don't think they go before Saturday. Okay. All right. But you are intrigued by Valentine because of his his physical tools. And his explosiveness and his twitch, even though yeah. he's a little tight-hipped. Yeah, I will say, the, I mentioned the 39-inch vertical. He he just sort of uh, did a little leapfrog jump at the start of the 40 just to get loose. And it looked like he had springs in his shoes because he he was – you can tell a difference between him you know, jumping and me, for example, jumping. Um, or Smith, but that's fine. Or Smith. Yeah, I know. You're down on Smith. I get it. <laughs> All right. And that was our, our three-day journey, as you call it, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And this week we're, we're headed to Gainesville for a short trip to see Anthony Richardson and some of his teammates, Jermon Dexter, Osiris Torrance, Sebo, I think that's his nickname that he goes by. So there's some some guys down there we want to see. Any lasting thoughts from our, our whirlwind tour last week before we get out of here, Rick? No, it was, uh, I'm glad that we were able to do some things on a serious note that uh, to, to help promote what we're doing out there and to get some information. And I think uh, fans want to definitely hear. And thanks to the universities that gave us the yeah. access that they gave us to. Absolutely. Uh, because that made the, all the difference in the world to uh, be able to do what we were able to do from a broadcasting standpoint while we're out there. So kudos to all those uh you know, universities and their programs for letting us be able to go out there and, and help evaluate and hopefully uh, give an opinion and a much more knowledgeable opinion uh, after we've been to these pro days. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Ohio State, Alabama, Kentucky, they could not have been greater. And Debo, got to mention, none of this happens without Mr. Spielman there. Mr. Spielman is, uh, like I said, he's the mayor at all three of those towns. So well, we're, I, I did make a call uh, from the coffee shop on, uh, to make sure we're set up for Florida as well. That's right. Yeah. So again, so uh, thanks to the universities for having us and the staffers that helped us out. And then thanks to Rick for making it all happen. And um, yeah, I think it seemed to be a pretty good response based on the, uh, the people watching last week. And hopefully they'll watch next week when we get to get to Florida. But tomorrow, Tuesday, if you're listening to this live, on March 28th, we're going to talk wide receivers, do our wide receiver rankings. Me and Rick, of course, will be joined by Josh Edwards. Then Thursday, we'll be doing uh, an immediate reaction pod from Gainesville, Florida, after Anthony Richardson throws, so look out for that. And um, I think that's it. Episode 29 in the books, Rick, as you mentioned, and you won't shut up about 32 days to the draft. We get it. The draft is right around the corner. We know. So thanks, everyone, for watching. We really appreciate it. Thanks to my guy, Rick. And um, thanks to Debo, who's going on vacation, Rick, if you can believe that. We'll see, <laughs> we'll see you guys I on Tuesday. I think I go on a vacation as much as he does. <laughs>